0: Why don't we stand to our feet this morning? Who's excited to be in the house of the Lord? That's pretty good. Look at this. Look at all these people on time this morning. Give yourself a hand. Very impressive. Let's worship our King this morning. Come on.
1: Come on, just let that develop. He's surely alive. We have not begun to see the degree to which Jesus will be magnified in the earth. (laughs) He is determined that every knee will bow and every tongue will confess. (laughs) And every fist that's raised against him will be humiliated will be destroyed or brought into line. His preference is that every knee would bow and every tongue would confess not by compulsion but willingly out of humility and faith. But make no mistake every knee will bow every voice every name Every name that is named above the earth, in the earth, and under the earth. Every name that is named will come under the name of Jesus. We declare today. And I'm not just talking to you. I'm not just talking to people online. But there's a declaration and a reminder to principalities and powers that the name of Jesus will not be ignored. We glorify the name of Jesus. Come on. We praise the name of Jesus. We say let the lightnings of God go forth across the earth Well, amen. Listen, when I came in here and we began to worship, I, I was so delighted. I mean, I was away for two weeks, and it was great. Great things happened, and I would say nothing to disparage the time. It was wonderful. But, man, do I love this place. I love this house. And God is perfecting a worship here Yeah, in other places, but I'm more concerned with what he's doing right here. Because this is where our primary responsibility is. Not because it's the best, but it's because this is where God has called us. But I tell you what, the presence of God is increasing in this place. I can tell you, man, it's beautiful. You know, there's a... we we have this paradigm with Israel when they walked God was just with them and there were singular acts of glory where God suppressed the enemies and did miracles but more than that there was just a general presence that went with the, the nation and that presence was powerful enough to make sure that no sickness could be there. Wouldn't that be amazing if We didn't have to even pray for the sick. That they just, if they just came in the room, that the intensity of God's radiation, his healing essence, just killed cancer just automatically. That cancer just could not exist in an environment that is so infused with the glory of God that things are forbidden from entering. Hallelujah. He dwells in unapproachable light. So he doesn't have to say, hey, you can't come in, darkness. It just can't come in unless he specifically permits it. And that's what he's trying to do in the earth. You know, there's a level of spiritual warfare where we don't even have to say no to the enemy. He just can't come near us because the forces at work in our midst are so antagonistic towards the darkness. It just pushes him to a distance wouldn't that be phenomenal? Wouldn't that be phenomenal that you didn't have to bind the thief, right? Where our community, where the expanding, right, the expanding uh, diameter of his glory in this realm just got increasingly further and further away. The crime rate started to dip, and people just started to get saved, and people started coming to church and worshiping God. Let me tell you that's that's the example we have in scripture beginning with moses and walking through the manifestation of god on israel just kept expanding 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 so long as they were walking with him so father we just we just say lord your kingdom come lord we want to see more of your kingdom And at the core of your kingdom is your presence. So, Father, thank you, Lord, that you are aligning us so that more of your presence can come here. Father, we bless your body today. Not only this expression of your body, but your body around the earth. And we know that, Lord, (laughs) something is coming that will cause, Lord, angels to marvel. Lord, that will cause the heavens, Lord, to fix their gaze on what the majesty and glory of the Lord is doing on the earth, that for eons, for generations, for eternity, these things will be talked about and spoken of, and yet you've given us the opportunity to be a part of it. Father, Lord, may we revel in the honor and walk in complete gratitude in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, just quickly. Uh, in case you're not sure, you know, it's funny because I I, saw, I went and saw my son, took the kids to some McDonald's on Saturday morning, and um, my son's like, uh, he didn't even know I was away two weeks. So, say so, what? What? Where'd you go? <laughs> but so maybe some of you don't know that I was away, but I actually was about six days in Abbotsford, and we did a, a conference there called One Heart, and it was uh, it was because of the new COVID things there, it was going to be in person, and then uh, ended up being maybe about a hundred of us in person, the rest online, but it was a great event, and then we went to Minneapolis, there's something called the North Georgia Revival, with a guy named Todd Smith, and so we got to meet him, spend some time with him, get, I got baptized, uh, you know, which is a special kind of baptism, it's, I mean, it's the same in one, you know, water, and in Jesus' name, but It's not for salvation, it's for cleansing. Anyway, they've had miracles, uh, signs and wonders in a number of different places. It's very exciting. Uh, But uh, when I go to something like that, I'm more interested in the people. You know, miracles happen, signs and wonders, healings happen. But what I'm looking for is what's the, the quality of the people involved. And I met this guy, Todd Smith, and what a great guy. Uh, it's amazing the symmetry around his revelation, his understanding, his heart for the body of Christ. Very much in alignment with a lot of things that the Lord has done in us over the years. So it was great to be with them in Minneapolis. Uh, and then from there, John Lowndes and I went to Finland, Helsinki. And we were there for six days, did a number of different uh, things. Great time. We'll likely be going back. Um, did you know that Helsinki, the most southern part of Finland, is about, you know, where the Yukon border is. Oh, wow. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> I was thinking, no wonder there's no leaves on the trees here. But it actually wasn't that cold because it's right on the ocean. But as you go north from there, of course, it gets a lot more snow and, and cold. And uh, <clears throat> so thankfully, we're living in Canada. <laughs> Warm, sunny Canada. All right. Well, I, I thought it was interesting uh, that the denoters were referencing the fact that I was talking about faith because this morning the Lord put something on my heart about faith. Wow. And, uh, and so I'm, I want to talk about faith. I'm going to read a couple of scriptures just to begin with, but I, I'm going to apply this to the area of giving um, which I don't. I rarely do, but I really felt the Lord speak to me this morning about it. But here's a couple of passages: uh, Colossians one seventeen and Hebrews one three. Very powerful words. Here's the one in Colossians one seventeen, for actually sixteen and seventeen. For by Him, that's by God, by Jesus, by His Son. Jesus actually was the uh, was the Word that created. Uh, By him all things were created that are in heaven and that are on the earth visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or principalities or powers. All things were created through him and for him. And he is before all things, and in him all things consist. It means things exist by him. Because of him, they're sustained. The other one, Hebrews one, three. You know, it's interesting there that that passage. You know, it's, it's always phenomenal when you read something. He created dominions and thrones. Where are those? Where are those? Yeah. I mean, could it be that there's more tangible elements to the kingdom of God that we have no idea about that, that we see through a glass so darkly we're not even sure if it's there? Yeah. Yeah. I wonder how tangible could it be to us? How real could the eternal structure of the kingdom of God become to us during our days here? And could it be that God wants to Enlighten us to the reality of those things in order to secure a commitment to it in a more substantial way. Yes. I mean, I, I know we, uh, we commit, you know, to our goals here, and we should. There's a certain reason for that, and obviously it's important, right? Commit to your job, commit to education. If you're an athlete, commit to training and excellence. But, you know, all these things are passing away. And he's saying, listen, I've got things reserved for you that are going to endure forever. Uh, I think it's worth your commitment. Um, So it says here, I'll start reading verse 1, verse 1 to 3. God, who at various times and in various ways spoke in times past to the fathers by the prophets, has in these last days spoken to us by his Son, whom he appointed heir of all things, through whom... He made the worlds, right? That's what I was referring to earlier. Through whom He made the worlds, who being the brightness of His glory, and the express image of His person, and upholding all things by the word of His power, when He had by Himself purged our sins, sat down at the right hand of the throne of God on high, having become much more better, or much better than the angels. Anyway, I'll stop there. But look at this. Upholding all things by the word of his power. So right now, things are being held together by the word of his power that we know not of. He's doing things right now for us without getting credit, recognition, honor, worship, praise. Well, how much is he possibly doing? More than you know. Yeah. Right? I mean, what, remember when we were like, when we were kids, you know, the kid says, I want to do it myself. Sure you do. <laughs> and there's no chance an adult is ever going to actually, you know, accept that notion and let that happen. Because the adult knows there's no possible way you can do anything hardly by yourself. But... You know, let's uh, we'll play into this a little bit because we want to grow your sense of responsibility. But the truth is, the level of ignorance that a child has when they say, I want to do it myself is, is m- mind-boggling. And we think, well, yeah, but that's a child. I've grown intellectually. Yes, but you, the comparison between that child and where you are today is much less of a gap than us and God right now. And so the question is, just how much is he doing that we don't know about? Just how much uh, destruction has, has been avoided by us through no credit to us and through no fault of our own? More than you could possibly know. And that's why we always give the benefit of the doubt. God, I want, and we're praying, we're moving towards something where I want to be able to give you the glory do your name and all creation wants to be able to do that, but that's what we want to do. We don't want to hold anything back. And really, if you—I yeah, love talking about this—but if you wanted to synthesize our journey in one, one one sense, it's the purification of worship. It's the ability for us to give God the credit due Him in increasingly clear and truthful ways. And before that, of course, what we're doing is we're taking credit for things we don't deserve. And we don't know that until he shows us, no, I did that. And that, I did that too. And, and that there, yeah, I, that was me. Yeah, my name's on that. My fingerprint's all over that. Yeah, I did that too. And so, you know, the the division of labor starts to get significantly large in gap when we start to realize how much he did and how much we did. And with that, here's something that happens. Gratitude increases. Our gratitude for what God does is equal to the amount we we ascribe to him. But we invisibly, unconsciously take credit for things that we didn't do and we don't know we do that. So our, our discipleship is God realigning the credit system of our life. So, say, God, align me. God align me. Give, me your Give me your credit system. Yeah, because true worship and praise will be uh, reflected in our lives when we do that. So, anyway, this morning I was uh, reading in 1 Samuel chapter 30... I'm going to read a bunch of scriptures, so uh, uh, it's, it's a story of David when he was on the run from Saul, and in First Samuel 30, there's kind of a big story here, but he, he goes out to fight with the Philistines. I'm trying to remember how much of I, this I want to, to read, but basically, here's the context. He goes out to fight with the Philistines, and, uh, and they say, the lords of the Philistines realize, this is David. You know, we're not going to have him in the middle of us. He's going to end up being a fifth column. He's going he's to turn around. He's going to fight with Israel. We're going to fight Israel. There's no way we're bringing David with us. So they get, get rid of him, and he goes and raids some other places. Anyway, on this occasion, he's doing these things secretly. He's lying to the Philistines when he's, you know, he's living right there with the Philistines, and he, without knowing it, he's going and killing other Philistines. And he's not telling them. So uh, it's a great gig he's got going on. But uh, on one occasion, the Amalekites came and attacked his, their encampment and burned Ziglag, That's where they were. So let me try and uh, read this uh, in verse 30. I mean, verse 1, chapter 30. Now what happened when David and his men came to Ziglag on the third day that the Amalekites had invaded the south of Ziglag attacked Ziklag and burned it with fire and had taken captive the women and those who were there from small to great. And they did not kill anyone, but carried them away and they went their way. So David and his men came to the city and there it was burnt with fire and their wives, their sons and their daughters had been taken captive. Now, put yourself in the situation of David Right. And imagine that happening to you right there. Um, How much of a shock would that be to your faith? We had that testimony this morning about, you know, somebody's personal struggle. And I know lots of us have personal struggles. And maybe somewhere in that we start to wonder about the fairness of the situation that we find ourselves in. And we might start to question whether... This is right. And we may even come to the point where we say, I was mad at God. Now, of course, theologically, we may have the position that, you know, God is right. And yet, there's this conflict where you know, on the one hand, that God is right, yet the circumstances of your life and the pain that you're in and the frustration of, of what's happened to you are so great that, you you can't really reconcile these things, and you may not be able to bring yourself to the point where you yell at God or shake your fist. Hopefully you don't. I mean, but it does happen. But let's hope God will bring you back. But if if we really if we really knew, right, we wouldn't do that. If we really knew that God is right and correct, we wouldn't be able to do that. But sometimes those circumstances overwhelm us. And they certainly overwhelm the people here because <laughs> When the, they started of course they wept they said they wept so they couldn't weep anymore and then there was talk of stoning David that's what you get when you get people <laughs> yeah let's stone our leader because of the frustration in our lives clearly it's his fault but I, mean, I want you to think about David for a second David I mean he's on the run he's done nothing wrong he has served God faithfully. He's been anointed by the prophet to, to inherit Israel. And God said, I'm with you, I'll never leave you. da 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 And yet here he is running from Saul for his very life. For no good reason this is happening to him. And he's living with his enemies and he's having to, to have this, this lifestyle that is not commensurate with the promise and the position he's been promised by God a little frustrating maybe like a few question marks in terms of is this right should I expect more why is this happening and so on one of these raids where they're trying to make a living they go out and they come back and all of their children and their wives and their possessions have been burnt or taken there's an opportunity of, for testing your faith Can you believe in that moment that God is righteous? Can you believe in that moment that God is good? Can you you praise God in that? Hallelujah, Lord, you know better. Now again, did God do this? No, he didn't do it. Satan did it. But as we know, God could stop anything. And when he chooses to yes and no, We don't know all the reasons, but this is the backdrop we should have. But he knows what's right. Furthermore, he knows what you need. That's the frustration thing about being a Christian and comparing your notes with other Christians because you think, man, I'm just as good a Christian as that person, yet they're having a much better of a time than I am. Right? Think, what? That guy sold how many houses this year? I'm a better salesman than him. What, that guy got a promotion? Why, why, why does that person have four children and I don't have any? You know, I mean, the, the discrepancies between what we have and what we don't have and who's, who should have it, etc., etc. actually doesn't matter. But because God is orchestrating circumstances because he has you in mind and he's fashioning you. He's fashioning your heart. He's carving out something in your life. So they're in this circumstance. So you imagine how difficult that is. And uh, but then he uh, he begins to seek the Lord through the prophet, and the the Lord says, "Go, take, follow them, and you will overtake them." So they go and they fight the battle. And uh, in the midst of doing that, they've already been on a long trip. One-third of their numbers, because about 600 of them, 200 are so tired, they just can't go on. So they leave them at a certain brook, and the 400 go, and they actually get all the stuff back. Are are, are we there? you with me? So, uh, and then when they went to battle, it says in verse 17, that David attacked them from twilight until the evening of the next day. So that you know, that's a long day. Right? Anybody here work hard for their money? Right? I mean, that's a pretty good day to put in what was already yours. <laughs> right? Can you see how the sense of injustice and the fairness equation is, you know, getting all jumbled up in your minds, your heart's thinking, I had to do all this. I was, I'm out here doing the work of the Lord. We're, we're in hiding. We're suffering. We should have something better. And then on top of it, on top of the fact that we're serving God with all our might, God lets our stuff get stolen, and we have to go back and get it ourselves. Wow. So anyway, uh, but they come back with all the spoils, and verse 20 it says, and David took all the flocks and the herds that had been driven before them, those, those other livestock, and said, this is David's spoil. So David took a big cut of that which he ended up sending a lot of it to Judea. But regardless, verse 21, Now David came to the 200 men who had been so weary that they could not follow David, whom they also made stay at the brook of Bazor. So they went out to meet David and to meet the people who were with him. And when David came near the people, he, uh, the people, he greeted them. Now look at verse 22. Then all the wicked and worthless men, I love that. I love biblical descriptions. (laughs) All the wicked and worthless men. (laughs) Yeah, tell me what you really think. Of those who went with David, answered and said, Because they did not go with us, we will not give them any of the spoil that we had recovered, except for every man's wife and children, so that they may lead them away and depart. Right? Now, somebody would say, well, wicked and worthless, Mm, I don't know. Let Let me pause here for a second the eternal assessment of men if it seems extreme to us we're the ones that are wrong this is what god this is part of the alignment god's trying to do because we don't understand how dire our situation and how wicked wickedness is when it comes up and because We don't understand that when people say and do things that we would sympathize with, we have a hard time saying that was wicked and worthless. But the Bible is not so hesitant. It hits it right on the nail, right on the head. Wicked and worthless men. You want, even right now, as I'm saying, God, show me. What is honorable? What is right? What is true? This is part of. This is where we're going, because our 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 journey is rife with these moments where our value system conflicts with God's value system, and so it puts us in conflict with God, where we think we are owed things we are not, when God is actually saying, "You know what? Not only is your mindset misguided, your mindset might be wicked and worthless." Oh, you're not saying that. I'm a Christian. You know, I pray in tongues. I go to church. I lift my hands. Wicked and worthless. <laughs> I want to know. Because God is righteous. His precepts are true. His statutes They're they're more to be desired than gold. So David responds to the wicked and worthless ones. It says, but, in verse 23, But David said, My brethren, you shall not do so with what the Lord has given us, who has presented us and delivered us into the hand, the troop that came against us. Now, realize what's happened here. You've got two perspectives on what just happened. And these wicked and worthless ones... Are wicked and worthless because their perspective is hey, we did this. I work hard for my money. David's perspective, the perspective of faith is rooted in the scriptures I already read to you in Hebrews one three and Colossians 1.17. And it's this, that God holds all things together by the word of his power, that there are an infinite number of things that God does for you that you don't know God does for you, but because you're so focused on ourselves, we are so focused on ourselves, all we see is the effort that we have made to the exclusion of of millions of issues that happen unconsciously, invisibly, supernaturally that sustain anything that we do. And so wicked and worthless men are that and their edicts and what they want to do because of that, how they want to divide the spoil is based on this wrong credit system we you guys were tired you stayed at the brook. That's fine, but you don't get any of the loot. We did this and David has a perspective of faith. No, 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 no. No, we didn't do anything. Well, I mean, yeah, we stayed up all night. We rode on our horses. We got we got, you know, wounds. We've got sores. We've got pain in our body. But none of these things can be achieved. We got everything back. We lost nothing. In fact, we got all the spoil the Amalekites pulled from the the other Philistine cities. We got herds and, you know, uh, untold numbers of amounts of wealth here. But he says, the Lord gave us this. The Lord gave us this. Why is this important? Because... As we're looking on this plane, we get this assessment, this value system around who is do what, and faith gives you a whole different perspective. You want to have that perspective, because to not have that perspective is to align yourself with wicked and worthless men. Yeah, I don't want to do that, <laughs> Right? So, Father, I just pray right now, I pray right now, God in Jesus' name, you would deal with our hearts. Now, we don't spend a lot of time talking about tithing or giving, and generally speaking, we're, we're a fairly generous church, and, and we, don't, we, we aren't struggling during the COVID with, with finances right now. And I think that's because there are real believers in this room, right? Real believers. See, real, real believers give, real believers give, not out of obligation, but because they recognize that, you know what, I did this thing, but it really it's God who blows on my efforts that causes an inordinate amount of prosperity miles above what the rest of the world is getting, And you maybe heard me talk about this before because it always galls me when I hear people say, you know, I I work hard for my money. Yeah, and the guy in India who is working painfully in a brick factory for pennies a week, do you think he's working harder or less hard than you? Well, he should have been born in North America. That'll fix him. What I'm saying is, listen... Our economic system, the way it is, comes out of the blessing of God. Everything that we're doing today comes out of the blessing of God. Our ability to get the kind of yield from the effort that we have is not our doing, it's God's doing. But we own this because we put in five hours or seven hours or eight hours. David had the perspective of faith. No, we put in the time, but the blessing is from God. The Apostle Paul writes, he says, one sows and another one waters, but God gives the increase. God gives the increase. And so what he's saying is, listen, there are seasons, and if you don't understand this, God will show you. God will teach a people who are ungrateful and uncaring and selfish and take the credit for anything. You think... That you are doing this, okay, here, go into a season where you sow and you water, but there's no increase. And then come back to me and ask me for increase. Because increase comes from me. Yeah. I, yeah. See, I run into this mindset every once in a while where people, you know, A, don't even want to tithe, don't want to give offerings, they want to give what they feel Good about giving, and and don't you compel me, and don't give me legalistic this and that and the other thing. And I'm thinking the natural outflow of faith is that you give, you give, because it's not yours. Somebody said here just a little while ago, it was, it was you when you're taking the offering. Well, you know, people we don't really believe that. James says every good and perfect gift comes from above, from the Father of lights in whom there's no shadow turning no variableness he doesn't change he's committed he's doing things he's steadfast he blesses and when he blesses it causes increase and that increase is proportional to our obedience often but more than that he wants to create a heart in us of gratitude that sees that despite whatever effort we're making on this plane that that is insignificant in its impact as compared to the blessing all everything comes from him and the proof of it is people are working much harder in other economies, in other nations, and not getting anywhere near what we're getting. So we want to live with an open hand. But it takes a faith perspective. David had that faith perspective. And he's like, no, 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 no. How dare you keep from those other 200 what we did together. We, we we are going together in this. We are a body of people. And so when he's, you know, whoever put on the handle worthless and wicked men, you know, however inspired that was and who wrote the words, I'm not sure, but, but, but he's saying, listen, we don't want to be that kind of people. So we don't want to resent giving. I mean, we can go all kinds of angles because... You know, if you actually have that foundation, you get, throw ten dollars in the bucket, you just feel like a saint. And yet God says, "Well, you, you're stealing from me. You haven't even begun to give me the portion I asked for. I'm responsible for it all. I only asked for ten percent plus alms, you know, but and you won't even give that. And if you throw twenty bucks in, in the in the pot, you know." Be careful. You might be aligning yourself more to wicked and worthless. Yeah, we don't want to do that. So I was trying to think of, okay, how do I, how do I account for, express the disparity between our effort and the reward? And I was thinking about this the other day because I happened to be uh, uh, at the airport lounge and I was looking through some Facebook and I saw this little clip of a show. And this guy had this tiny little package... And he was having this talking to these drug people or whatever, and he's in this room. Anyway, that, this backstory is not important. He had this package, and he, the guys thought it was drugs or something. But he says, he says, this is not drugs. And he, he takes that little package, just it's like, just like an inch, maybe by two inches, like tiny little package, and he takes it and he throws it against the wall, and boom, there's this massive explosion. I mean, everything's blown up. the windows are all blown up. the guys in the room are all concussed. And, uh, and I, I'm thinking, oh, that's a great example. Because uh, the power to exact that kind of effect did not come from the arm. Right? I mean, wow, what a mighty strong arm you have there, sir. (laughs) Right? No, no, no. You could your daughter could have tossed that. Your five-year-old child could have tossed that. And it would have had that much effect. It wasn't the amount of strength that you put into it. Do you see that? It was the snap of the wrist right at the end, really. It was, you know, watch, I'll I'll show, it's, you know, that's, (laughs) If you got the right technique, you get that kind of effect. I mean, that's essentially what we're saying when we're taking credit for outcomes that are a result of the divine uh, workmanship of God breathing and bringing spiritual breakthrough on things, yet we we have the audacity to take credit for those things. That's what David is saying. He's saying, listen, yeah, we did this, but what is that compared to this outcome? But what if you can't see that? What if you can't see that division of labor that I did this tiny little thing and had that massive outcome when we're so fixated on our effort? Well, I'm the one that had to get up in the morning. I'm the one that had to get on my horse. I'm the one who had to gallop. You know, I had to take out my sword. I got, I got, I got splinters. I got blisters. I got blisters. I'm sore. I can't get my neck. Need to go see Natalia for a massage. (laughs) That orientation is a manifestation of the fallen nature. It is a manifestation of faithlessness, unbelief. Unbelief is the, ability, the inability to see the part that God plays in absolutely everything. And yet God is saying, listen, every good and perfect thing comes from me. Yes. And when you start to have that perspective, you can be generous with things because they're not really yours and you didn't do it. Yeah. And the anthem of I work hard for my money starts to depart from your life. When you realize I'm walking in a yield that far exceeds my effort so that's where generosity comes that's where, that's where that's what makes see God is God loves a, gra- a grateful person somebody who's aligning to who's really recognizing no God thank you so much for you gave me a job thank you so much that I live in a world that's, that's allowing us to prosper you know it doesn't mean the enemy's not trying to take it away right now he is But Lord, you made this possible. This came out of the faith of our forefathers who honored you and blessed your name and worshiped you and and, and gave back to you and rendered the service that they could according to what they knew at the time. And then you blessed them more. How dare I take credit for where I am today? And how dare I begrudgingly throw a token little amount here and there and hoard what I have like these worthless and wicked men in David's company so I'm not saying okay let me call out five people who are wicked and worthless here (laughs) I could just tell you this I have shared in that mentality. I have struggled, and God has had to move the line of division between what my efforts are producing and what he is producing. And that's a natural part of your progression, the progression of faith in your life that causes you to see with increasing clarity what you are due and what he is due. Yeah. And the beautiful thing is that over the... the the panorama of this journey, what increases is gratitude, generosity, and worship because we are being aligned. Thank you, God. I'm more grateful than I've ever been. Instead of, well, God, what have you done for me lately? (laughs) See, there's a reason why David didn't want to Well, he didn't want to be stoned because he didn't want to be stoned. But there's a reason why he wasn't stoning God. He had faith. That faith enabled him to see things accurately. We want that. We want to have that because it is the doorway to greater blessing. It is a doorway to the kind of worship that will allow God to come here. It's the the tacit recognition of who he is in our midst. And as I was saying earlier, after the worship, that the presence of God that is increasingly coming on us will be greatly accelerated in our midst as the secret tendencies to take credit for things that we did not do decreases in our life his presence will come because our worship will be purer and then we won't be saying praise the lord because well that's the words that are in the song right now but our hearts are naturally organically overflowing with gratitude that god thank you for what you've done in my life anything you want me to do i'm ready to do it Because at the end of the day, all the reluctance comes down to, I believe my just due is this. So let's stand up together. Father, thank you that you have brought us thus far. Can you thank the Lord? I mean, he, he has shifted us. He's changed us. He's given us gratitude. We are sitting at a place of faith today because of that work, but we don't want to stay where we are. Amen? God, I pray that you will continue to align us, deepen our understanding of the division of labor, what you do versus what we do, and forgive us for taking more credit than is appropriate in Jesus name Thank you Lord uh, Godliness with ten- contentment is great gain Contentment that's the it's rooted in a, an ability to believe that you know what I may not have what the guy over there has, but I have way more than I deserve. That's a starting point for worship, honor, and praise. So we're going to do that as we go forward. So let God do this work in you, Amen. All right, Chris, why don't you come and close us out? So glad to be back.
0: Wow. Well, you know, I was talking with uh, Joe Acker this past week. Joe was uh, our mayor for two terms some time ago, and it was interesting because we just got chatting a little bit about, you know, uh, just our world today, and one of the things that came up, you know, was that it takes so long to get an appliance, right? We were talking about this, and someone had ordered a fridge and said it had been six months so far, and they hadn't received it. And Joe just said... That's the silliest thing in the world. He said, if there's a need where I live in our little village, it takes about 30 minutes to an hour. Why? Because we look out for one another. Because what we have, it's all of ours. We choose to share it. We choose to give it. We choose to put it on the ground when it's needed. And he said, we don't worship the money. We give the money. And I thought, wow, that's coming from the world God teach us how to just give back to you what's already yours Father and teach us in this very moment I appreciate this so much because I sat there thinking am I thankful for the very things I have right now how often do I sit and grumble and complain and it didn't take me very long that was yesterday it was the day before too and the day before that one Wow, God, shift our hearts. We come before the Almighty King right now, and we say, thank you. Thank you, God, that we have the clothes we have, the food that we're about to go and eat right after this. God, we have homes we are so cared for. And Father, we want to hold on to this stuff so tightly. It's not ours anyway, God, so get that in our hearts. May we understand it. And may we choose to be so thankful for everything you do, God. And may we choose to just love one another with the very things we have that aren't ours anyway. May we just go on in this for a long time. Oh, God, just work. Can we just take 30 seconds and just yourself, ask the Lord to work on your heart. I'm asking him to work on mine. Work on our hearts, Lord. Shift us. where we want ownership over everything, where it's ours, God. Shift our hearts. Forgive us, Lord, where we put so much value in what we've done. Jesus. Yeah. We acknowledge you, Lord and all you've done in Jesus' name. Can we say amen? Amen. This starts (laughs) in 30 seconds, right? Now we actually are testing where our journey is at, right? We really are. We get to see, you know, in the next couple minutes, when we see a need, when we see this, when we see that, will we actually lay it down? When someone needs a fridge, when someone needs this, Are we willing just to lay it down? Oh, God, just help us in Jesus' name.